Welcome to Church Alive Orlando podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and helps to show you how God is moving in your life. And now, here's lead pastor, Mike Coleman. Expectation. Expectation. One of the first real stories that describes expectations is in Genesis chapter 15. Well, God said to Abram, your descendants shall be as the stars. Imagine that. Now, Patty has four kids. They're all married. I have two. They're both married. That's six kids and six spouses. That's 12. Our 12th grandchild was just born. We're not a family. We're a tribe. We're a people. <laughs> we're a people. Now, now think about this. Here's this guy named Abram. He and his wife, they were up in years, and God said it's never too late. So I speak back to some of you, not that you're going to have babies. But your ministry is never over. God's not done with you. We have Simeons, we have Hannahs. We, we talked about that around Christmas time. The first two humans to announce the birth of Jesus. When you remove the angels, when you remove the star, when you get down just to the basic grassroots of people announcing the birth of Jesus, it was two people that were up in years. They had a message. You have a message. You have something to say. And you have something to say until the day you die. And that's how it's going to be. And how many of you sense there's a, a freshening, there's an awakening? God is beginning to raise us up. and Amen. Come on. Come on. It's happening. This is really the first biblical example of God setting expectation into the heart. He reaffirmed that in, in uh, Genesis 22 and 17, Genesis 26 and 4, and Genesis 32 and 12, four times. I won't talk about the significance of those numbers, but what I want you to see is that God spoke to a man named Abram. And he brought something into his life that was so revolutionary. God said, your name doesn't fit anymore. So he changed it to Abraham, God, the father of many nations. And Abraham received that. Did Abraham see this promise being fulfilled right away? No. It didn't happen immediately, but it began to happen. The seeds of that were planted in Abraham at the very moment God promised it to him. Some of you, and we've talked about it, God has promised you things that have still yet to happen or be fulfilled, but the moment God made that promise to you, that seed was put in you. It's there. Now, are you watering that seed? Are you nurturing that seed? Are you caring for that seed? Are you keeping the weeds from your seed? Are you cultivating? Are you working that ground and tilling that soil and caring for what potentially is going to be your harvest? Sometimes we disregard it if we don't have the mindset of what seed and harvest is all about. And we'll say, well, God, you promised it. You've got to do it. And and as we've been saying, and hopefully you've embraced by now, for two and a half years, I can't believe we've been your pastors that long. This has been a long 90 days, hasn't it? 
That's what it started out as. 90 days, and here we are. We just go on 90-day cycles, I guess. Here we are, another 90 days. And the Lord is ministering, and, and the thing he continues to tell us, church, if you will do the difficult, God will do the impossible. And what God wants to do here, guess what? It's impossible. And I'm glad it is because that is the assurance that God is saying, come and partner with me in what is impossible. You do the difficult, it may not be easy. And if you do the difficult and proving yourself faithful, I'll do the impossible. You ever had a a garden? Oh God, I had a garden one time. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. I didn't want to do it. It was hot. And I forgot how hot it was in Florida. I moved back to Florida. I took a little piece of ground out behind the house. And and I planted some tomatoes. And I planted some other things. And I just hated it. I didn't want to do it. But you know what? Those tomatoes came in. All of a sudden, they tasted so good, it was worth it. And that's the way it is. We don't always necessarily enjoy tending to the seed. We don't necessarily enjoy taking care of and nurturing the potential and the promise. But if we'll do so, God will bless. Now, I want to tie that in to a scripture in Romans, chapter 4, verse 18. If we can go to that next slide. When it was beyond hope, he had faith in the hope that he would become the father of many nations. This is being spoken of Abraham in keeping with the promise that God spoke to him. Now, by going to the next slide, we start getting an explanation of what that is saying. Remember, Paul said, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And we explained to you what that means, and, and it just is a reminder of the two wars that potentially can be going on inside of any of us at any time. If you look up here, I'll demonstrate what Paul is saying. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. How many of you would agree with me that there sometimes is a big time civil war that goes on between these two? But you know what we do? We, we try to focus on this and we try, ironically, we try to understand our minds. And what we do, it gets our attention off of what's really important here, where our belief system really lies. Now, I made a statement a couple of weeks ago that a couple of you found very controversial when I said, when you get saved, when you are born again, guess what happens to this flesh? Nothing. Your flesh is still your flesh. It will draw you back into sin if you allow it. If you don't keep it disciplined and under the blood of Jesus Christ, it will pull you right back into it. Your flesh is so much not a part of heaven that when you die, guess what? Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I've shared with you a little bit and brushed against it and and I don't want to dance on it too much because it needs a lot of explanation. But when Adam and Eve walked in the garden, how many of you know they were covered with a mist? And that mist lifted when they sinned against God. What was that mist? It was their spirits. What are you saying, Pastor? Simply this, that Adam and Eve, when they walked with God before they knew sin, their spirit was on the outside. And now that they sin, their spirits retreated to the inside. And this flesh, like a hard shell, wants to hold it prisoner. 
wants to keep it bound, wants to keep it tied up, wants to keep it suppressed, wants to keep it down, wants to keep it depressed, wants to keep it from rising up. But the day is going to come, this old hard shell is going to fall away. Hallelujah. And what is going to spring forth is that part of us and every one of us that's the same, that part of us that's eternal is our spirit. We're going to dance back on that in just a couple of weeks and hopefully drill deep down into that. And I think it will be a blessing to you. Now here, when it was beyond hope, his, Abraham's expectation. He, Abraham, had faith in the hope. That's God's expectation. Aha. Starting to see something here. Abraham had an expectation. God has an expectation. There's the civil war. There's the civil war. That he would become the father of many nations in keeping with the promise God spoke to him. Now, I want to do just a, a, a little word study right here on the next slide, if I can. The word hope comes from the Hebrew word hatikva. In fact... The national anthem of Israel is named Hatikva. It's all about the hope. Okay, it's about the hope. The word expectation comes from the root word and the foundational word of hope. So Tikva comes out of Hatikva. You say, well, wait a minute. You know, Tikva looks like it's the root word there in the base word, but it's not. This is that one time, one of those few times that actually the smaller word is the foundational word and the larger word builds upon it. So I'm not going to get into a big word study here, but I just want you to simply see these two are connected, undeniably connected. You can't shred them apart. You cannot have hope without expectation. Hope arises out of expectation. And we all do that. You know, we have an expectation of something. Someone says, well, is everything going to be okay? We almost turn it into a negative. We say, well, I hope so. Now, when you hear that, well, I hope so, does that sound positive to you? No. Me either. It sounds more negative. It sounds like, oh, I just hate that. I don't want to hear that. Well, I hope so. No, you don't. You're approaching it negatively. You're giving yourself an out. You don't want to be disappointed in case it doesn't happen. So you say, well, I hope so. But see, here's what I want you to see. There is our expectation. There is God's expectation. And these two hopes are often in conflict. Expectation and God's. Now, one generation, I want you to look at this and see. And the other generates from the heart. One is a vapor of hope. The other is what's known in the Hebrew as a cord of hope. A cord of hope. A cord of hope. See, we all have expectations. We talked about uh, Thursday night a week ago in, in our first harp and bowl. We talked about, you know, we all show up with our expectations And our expectations are never completely met. You know, when you go and you visit a church, when you start attending the church, if we go in with our expectations, we'll go on down the road. We'll go on and look somewhere else. We'll do something else. When you you begin to uh, 
when you go to a job and your expectations of that job is so high and they're not met because you take your expectations and you put them not only on circumstances but upon people. And those expectations sooner or later are going to come up short. I can remember there was a time in my life I was without a home church. This is the pattern I got into with my two daughters. Going somewhere and looking, and we would come out, and it wasn't them, it was me. I mean, they had literally the childlike faith of children. And I would say, ah, that's not what I expected. You go to the next one, ah, that, that was good, but it's not what I expected. You go to the next one, well, you know, that was okay, but... And my youngest called me out one day on that. She said, Dad, are you ever going to find anything that you like? And that really resonated. I thought, you little snot, how dare you talk to me like that? But I did. I listened to her. I listened to the wisdom of that child. And God began to speak to me through that wisdom and say, you know what? It's all about you. You make it all about you. You make what I'm doing all about you. Let's reduce that and take that away from when maybe we're looking spiritually for God to do something. And let's bring it back to our life. It's 2020. Can you believe it? My Lord, we're getting old. Well, I am. Not, not you. It's just, it's just me. You're, yeah, you're welcome. We, naturally, we go into a new year with expectations. I have mine. I don't make, my resolution is I don't make resolutions. Okay, But we, we can't help but have expectations. We can't help but look towards something with a certain measured and guarded kind of hope, expectation. And the thing I want to ask you, as, as you are going into this new year, and we're now three weeks into it, your expectations, have any of them already become a disappointment to you? I've had one. Are your expectations out there and wild and crazy to the point that only God could have put it in you because only God can fulfill it? Or are your expectations small and guarded to where, well, if it turns out okay and if it doesn't, I won't be too disappointed. Are your expectations goals that you can make by yourself? Are you, do you look at them and say, this is crazy, this is wild, I will never accomplish this in myself. That's one thing I love about this woman that God put into my life. She is crazy when it comes to vision and when it comes to expectation. She has no fear. She doesn't. And she's, she's a wild woman. She is so good for me. Because she said, we're going to do this. And I'll go, oh, that scares me. Oh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Well, aren't you scared? Well, yeah, I'm scared too, but we're going to do it. I'm a little apprehensive. But what we've learned is we partner together in dreams and vision. And what we're learning is simply this. It needs to be crazy enough that you can only do it with God. My dad used to have a saying that was, if you understand everything going on in your life, God's not doing very much. And it's true. 
If you understand it all, he's not doing much because in your life somewhere there needs to be a measure of mystery and there needs to be a measure of impossibility, those two things. There needs to be mystery where you say, God, I have no idea, but you're doing it. That's what's happening on Thursday night, is it not, Pastor Steve? There's a measure of mystery. We get together, we look around, we say, we don't know what we're doing. And God shows up. And there's a measure of God, only you can do this. And then he lovingly looks back at it and says, but I want you to partner with me in only what I can do. Have you ever been a part of a miracle? God inviting us every day to be a part of a miracle. Here's another thing about these expectations. One is a vapor, one is a cord. It's true. And if you go to that very last slide, It's something we're going to be continuing to talk about next week. And that is expectation is the cord of hope. It's a cord of hope. Only God can do that. Only God can give us that cord in our life. You see, it says a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. It's not. I want you to look at that a little different. We always talk about that in relationship with other people. That's not incorrect. But I want to challenge you to look at that three-stranded cord as this also. You, God, and the situation. That situation. We so want to stay away from the impossible to say, God, only you can do that, oh Lord. You ever said that? Quit saying it. Only you can do that, oh God. And I know what you're saying. I say the same thing. But I think we're, we're giving ourselves an out. Well, if it didn't happen in God, it's because God didn't want it to. And sometimes that's true. But let me challenge you to perhaps a little deeper thought right here. And that is simply this. Don't be afraid to walk up to and boldly face the impossible. The situation. Your finances. You know why some people stay in financial trouble? Is they never face their finances. Why some people's marriages are always in trouble? They never face it. Why their circumstances in their life are always in such a mess? Is they're afraid to face them because God, that's over there. Keep it over there. I don't want that negativity in my life. Well, guess what, honey? That is your life. And you need to face it and confront it and know that with him, I can overcome this. I can do this. 2020 will not be set me with fear. It's not going to come against me with the conditioning and with intimidation. It's not going to stop me from seeing the Lord himself bring forth in my life the impossible. That becomes your tikva, your cord of hope. Your godly expectation. It's human nature to have expectation. God put that in our DNA. We got our DNA results back this week. It's very interesting. I won't go into it. I'll keep, I'll keep it mysterious. But it was not what I expected. And no, I don't think any of us are related. I just, I just had to make sure Patty wasn't my cousin somewhere. You know, it's like in... Oh, God, did I just say that? I'm sorry. 
I'm going to hear about this later on. <laughs> She's shaking her head, yes. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, Jesus. The Lord said right now, I want you to stand up right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just softly, Brother Dave. Mm. See, we, we understand, and I know we separate ourselves from standing. We separate ourselves, but it's so easily to spiritualize it. I, I just don't want to involve myself with anything in my life that is negative. Sometimes what we call negative is nothing more than what's uncomfortable. As the eagle stirs its nest, the Lord alone did lead them. Sometimes what you might be facing is just a stirring of your nest. Or is the Lord finally saying, you've got to face this. You've got to deal with this. I've done all I can do until you do your part. Because, he said, I'm going to partner with you. I had a, a, a math teacher in college. I had to take a couple of courses. I'm horrible at math. And uh, he wrote formulas on the board. And we had to guess or figure out, not guess, but work through it. Is is this right or is this wrong? And sometimes he would go up and purposely erase a part of it. And it would just make me totally frustrated. I would look at it. If you've ever taken a physics class, it's all about theory. It's all about quantum. It's all about things that don't make sense. And you take away just a little bit of the explanation and it makes even less sense to me. Here's what I want you to see. He would make this statement over and over and over again. The only way you can resolve this problem is by inserting yourself into it. I came back to me just a couple of weeks ago in in preparation of this little two-week mini-series. And the Lord told me, we're so quick about separating ourselves from the world. Separating ourselves from everything that is so negative. And, you know, there's people with anointing of healing ministry on their life that if if you confess you don't feel good, they'll rebuke you. I don't feel good. Oh, don't you say that. I'm sorry. How am I supposed to get healed? You think if all those people that lied to Jesus would have, or, or that Jesus healed, if they would have lied to him, he would have healed him? Jesus prays for this man. How do you see? 
I see men as trees walking. He prayed for him again. What if the man said, oh, oh I, I see fine. I see fine because that's what I'm supposed to confess. He said, no, I still got a problem. Jesus prayed for him again. Don't you let people intimidate you when you have a need and you have a problem. You share it. Share it truthfully. Share it honestly. But share it in the tone that I'm sharing this because I know God is going to help me through it. Oh, don't you confess that your kids are sinners? Well, if they're a heathen, they're a sinner. They need salvation. Well, my finances are a mess. Oh, don't you claim that. You claim your blessings. I get it. I understand. But at what point in this process of life and what point in this process of situations in our life are we supposed to be honest? People are crying. They're desperate to be able to be honest and to have a compassionate ear hear them and not rebuke them. And sometimes people of great faith, they kind of get into that mode. Oh, don't say that. Don't confess that. Don't claim that. Don't believe that. Don't stand in that. It's not yours. I understand and I get all of that. But here's the thing. People of great faith, God needs you to be compassionate to that need in that person's life. So if you've got great faith, wonderful. Exercise it with a little compassion. Quit judging people that have already been judged. Quit condemning people that already feel condemned. Quit beating down sick people that already feel defeated and sick. At what point are we with our faith going to reach down and take them by the hand and lift them up and say, I understand where you are. I understand where you're saying, but God is saying that is not your reality. It's just where you are in the journey. Love taking people to Israel, taking many of you. But you know what? Us going to Israel and you having that Israeli stamp in your passport, that doesn't make you Israeli. You've just been there. Because you're walking with sickness in your life, that doesn't make you that person. Because you're walking with issues in your marriage, that doesn't make you a bad person. Because you're walking with confusion in your mind, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. So I want to challenge you and all love those of you that are people of great faith. Let God cover that faith with compassion. And rather than rebuking, rather than correcting, they've been beat down enough. Reach out a hand to them. Lift them up. All of you simply ask, Are we going to walk in our expectation or God's? If I look at you only with the eyes of my own expectation, guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to come up short somewhere. You will. As we get to know one another better, you'll learn. If you haven't already, I guarantee you there's plenty there. If you haven't already, there's some things about me you're not going to like. And there's some things about you that will probably just drive me batty. How do you know that's true? That's what we do to one another. And so there are people in the body of Christ, ooh, I don't want to get too close to them. I just want to keep it out here because when you start to get to know people, you start having trouble. Well, thank you very much. You just exercise your expectation. You just heap your junk upon that person. What's God's expectation of them? Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief.
Lord, my expectation is but a favor. Your expectation is a cord. God, we pray in the name of Jesus. I want you to lift your hands. If you need to sit down, sit down. If you want to stand up, stand up. Whatever you do, lift your hands. God, change the expectation in me from mine to yours. Thank you for joining us online today. For more information, check us out at www.churchaliveorlando.com. Have a great week.